Well, good evening. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. Just wait, Stuart. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Jeff Leader. I'm part of the ministry team here. And uh, we're going to look at the book of Proverbs tonight. Uh, we're reading through Proverbs this term. Uh, trying to get through a chapter a day, although people like my wife are struggling to get past a few verses in some chapters because there's so many rich nuggets, nuggets in uh, Proverbs. But let's uh, just pray and we'll dive in. Our Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for the gift of your word and we ask that you would speak to our hearts and, and minds through your Holy Spirit this evening. Just challenge us, Lord. Help us to understand what you want us to take away from this evening. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who would have thought that a series of books titled dot, 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 for dummies would sell in the millions and millions of copies? These self-help books have been purchased by people like you and me who wish they knew more about a particular subject. And when I did an internet search, there was literally hundreds of different titles. Um, the series offers expert advice for just about everyone. Just have a look at some of the titles. Hopefully they'll come up. Oh, you've been playing, Stuart. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. That's awesome. Really helps when I know what's going on here. <laughs> You're just trying to keep me on my toes, you see. But there's books for, like, PC for dummies, the internet for dummies, you can learn languages, Chinese, French, German, all kinds of languages. Uh, there's like school topics, maths, calculus, uh, algebra, uh, heavier things like investing, um, law for dummies, that would be a bit of an interesting one. But things like fishing, golf, any kind of sport uh, you'll find there. I'll put that one at the top there, particularly for Stuart. Digital photography for dummies. Okay. So the range is just incredible. I couldn't find one for Luke Barnes called uh, Astrophysics for Dummies, but I suggested he start working on it for his next book. But there we go. <laughs> but you'd have to ask yourself, why has this series so effectively tapped into the desire of people to learn? One reviewer I came across said, I buy them because they take the intimidation out of the learning process. Whatever the subject matter... They spell it out in simple terms. They make the complex understandable so that even a regular person like me can understand it. So the same could be said about the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Proverbs takes the ageless, priceless... We stuck this one in on me too. <laughs> because... It's, it's, it is. It's like, could be renamed the wisdom for dummies because it takes the ageless, priceless wisdom of God himself and makes it understandable and accessible to regular people like us. Comprehending the wisdom of Proverbs doesn't require any high-level theological degree. As the book contains very few technical or theological terms. It's fairly easy to understand. And in fact, Proverbs would have to be the most down-to-earth book of the entire Bible because it presents pertinent 
relevant truths for everyday life and makes them accessible. Now, let me just say that few of the Proverbs fit in the category of promises. Instead, they tell us how life works. But one thing they do make clear is that generally speaking, I say generally speaking, people who are godly, moral, hardworking and wise will reap many rewards. How do the writers know this? And by the way, Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, but other people contributed a number of Proverbs as well. So there's writers, plural, in case you're wondering. So how did they know how life works? Well, they learned it from a lifetime of experience. They were, they were fallible people like us. They weren't perfect. But they walked with God and pursued God's wisdom. Yes, they fouled up. They made mistakes. And they learned a few hard life lessons along the way. And that, but they observed. They watched They observed the successes and failures of others, as well as themselves, and they wrote down their discoveries in order to share them with others. Now, the first nine chapters of Proverbs form kind of like an introduction to the remaining 22 chapters. 31 chapters, great book to read in a 31-day month. That's why we're reading a chapter a day in the month of January. Um... So the, the, the first nine chapters kind of present the central message of Proverbs, which really can be summed up is to pursue wisdom. To pursue wisdom. And wisdom, let me say, is here is to be understood as what is true and right combined with good judgment. What is true and right combined with good judgment. That's the definition of wisdom as we're looking at it tonight. The introduction is written in the form of a father's instructions to his sons. And he builds a case for a lifelong pursuit of wisdom. So listen to what he has to say in, in chapter 4, and I'll just sort of take a few little snippets out of chapter 4 in the first 11 verses. Listen, my sons, to a father's instructions. Pay attention, please. Do not forsake my teaching. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forsake wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And though it costs all you have, get understanding. Accept what I say. I instruct you in the way of wisdom. In verse after verse, the father calls his sons to seek wisdom. And he tells them why. He tells them why. Because it pays. Have a look at um, chapter 3 in these verses. He says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she, who knew wisdom was female? For she is more profitable than silver. Is that one of your questions? (laughs) That's an obvious answer. (laughs) Well, for some it might be a question, but anyway. Wisdom's female. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. How about that? She is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. You see, according to this wise father, 
those who arrange their lives around the goal of gaining wisdom, that's God's wisdom, will receive rewards that far exceed anything they could imagine. You think you want silver? Wisdom's better. You think you want gold? Wisdom is better. You think you want fame, fortune, achievement, power? Hey, fact is, wisdom is better. Nothing you can desire can compare with wisdom. Now, just think about the people you know. Do you know any wise parents, fathers, mothers? People who exhibit sound judgment in how they conduct their lives and raise their children. Do you know any fathers who know when to encourage and when to admonish, when to be tender and when to correct forcefully? Do you know any mothers who know when to give advice and when to listen, when to teach and when to let life's consequences be their children's teacher? They're just trying to put a value on those insights. How much are they worth? How valuable are they to sons and daughters facing the challenges of the 21st century? This wise parenting is worth more than wealth if you want children who are healthy and well-balanced. You know, there are a lot of smart and very hard-working people out there whose lives are filled with difficulties and trials because they were raised by foolish parents who did not teach them how to make life work. And then there are other people who are living fulfilling, productive lives. You can't put a life... And those people had wise parents who taught them how to live lives that were fruitful and meaningful. You can't put a price on the legacy of such parents. And I'd have to say people with unwise parents who have broken free of that um, scenario and to seek God's wisdom are truly blessed and they make a real difference in their children and their children's children. And children who go up with the gift of wise parents agree with Proverbs 17.6, which says parents are the pride of their children or should be the pride of their children. And turning that around, how much value would a parent attach to having children who eventually walk in the paths of wisdom, who know how to deal with conflict, how to handle relationships maturely, how to deal with money prudently. You can't put a price on that either. As Proverbs 15.6 says, a wise son brings joy to his father. And girls don't feel like you're missing out on this. <laughs> a wise son or daughter brings joy to their parents. One of the incomparable benefits of pursuing wisdom is that it offers us like a navigational system to keep us out of moral blind alleys and dead end roads in life. Uh, jumping back to Proverbs 2.11. 13 says discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways. And then pursuing wisdom is also an effective way of investing in the future. Uh, Proverbs 24.13, if you find it, referring to wisdom, there is a future hope for you. And your hope will not be cut off. 
What kind of hope does wisdom offer us for the future, you might ask? Well, undoubtedly, for a f- it offers us a future hope in heaven. But I also believe hope for a life that works here, today, in this world. That's the value of the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs. The wisdom of Proverbs offers us invaluable advice about diligence and self-discipline, about choosing friends and dating partners, about establishing a healthy family life, about honouring God with our finances, about caring for our bodies, about growing spiritually, about caring for the poor, about managing anger, and about nearly every other major issue in life. Proverbs is also helpful in showing us where to start in the pursuit of wisdom. Like This is big when you sort of jumble all those things together and list them out. But where do you start? Well, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, let me just say, that fear that's being referred to there is not being scared and afraid, that sort of fear. The fear that that's referring to is, is like the fear of awe and wonder of Almighty God. When you come before God, we will be astounded by his majesty. That's the fear of God. It's not being frightened of what he might do with you because he's a God of love who will embrace us in his love. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the place to start, the pursuit of something that's worth much more than gold. And it's by obtaining the knowledge that is most central to the deepest human needs. The knowledge that there is a God who is powerful and personal and a God who is actually head over heels in love with each and every one of us. A God who has extended to us through Jesus, his son, the hand of forgiveness and grace. And he says, come on, take my hand and I'll help you to make your life work and to work well. That is where we start. So if we're ever going to make wise choices, here's where we start. We fling open the door of our heart to God and we put our, our hands in his hand, the hand that Jesus extended to us, and accept the forgiveness that he's offered to us. The book of Proverbs can be summarised in one brief passage in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You know, when we commit our lives to following Jesus, you know, there's a few decisions to be made. And we realise that committing ourselves to Jesus will involve reading our Bibles regularly spending time with God in prayer and getting involved in church. But the question arises, how far should we go? How far should our faith impact our morals, our relationships, our finances, our careers even? Now this is a challenge for Christian believers, for us. What does it mean to put our life in God's hands? What does it mean to put our whole life in God's hands? Do we stake our life on him? 
Do we let him lead and guide us in every area of our lives? Think about it. But it all comes down to trust. Do we trust God fully, completely, wholly? This is risky. It's scary. It's challenging because God may have things in mind for our, for our lives that go way outside the plans and hopes and dreams that we may have. But you know, perhaps he has in mind for us to embark on some kind of high-risk career. Perhaps he has all kinds of challenges and adventures just waiting for us. So do we risk trusting his wisdom and his guidance when it may change our lives and it may change our lives quite dramatically over what we were thinking was going to happen in our lives. So the question is, are we willing to submit our entire lives to his leadership? Can we take the risk? I remember a long time ago now, my year 12 speech day, and our principal, who actually wasn't a Christian, <clears throat> he uh, got up and he said, remember these words, dare to be wise. Dare to be wise. That was the theme of his talk. Dare to be wise. It's, and what that means is it's often easier to be foolish in life, yeah, to go with the crowd, to be lazy, to be inhospitable, to be tight-fisted or greedy. To distort the truth, you know, little white lies or maybe bigger lies. Even to engage in immoral or corrupt behaviour. But wisdom, the wisdom of God, dares us to be wise. It challenges us to be wise in our behaviour and our relationships and dealings with other people. So dare we be wise. And it's similar in our relationship with God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, says the writer of Proverbs. But that's no simple pronouncement. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because there is no shortcut to trust. There's no shortcut to trust. Though we can and should find cause for trust as we read the Bible of God's trustworthy behaviour throughout history. There is a more personal dimension to it, a personal dimension of trust in God. And we must develop that trust in the same way that we develop trust with friends, dating partners or even spouses. And we do that by engaging deeply and genuinely in everyday situations over a long period of time. It takes a long time to build trust. But that is the only way to determine for ourselves if it is safe and wise to entrust our lives to God. And might I just add, it's easy to break trust. That's why it's important to tell the truth, to be on the level with people. Because once a tr trust is broken in a relationship, it takes a long, long, long time to rebuild that trust. So can I ask where you are in your spiritual journey? Where are you in your relationship with God? Has God proven himself to you 
to the extent that you are ready for the next step of faith. Because sooner or later, every person who is investigating Christianity and finding God trustworthy has to take that big step of personally receiving the message of new life in Christ and believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God whose life and death opened the way for us to be adopted into the family of God. It's precious sons and daughters of the living God. Romans 10.13 tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a great promise. And you know, the word everyone there actually reveals the inclusive intention of God's heart. God wants all people to be saved. And note those two words. Two key words there. Who calls? Everyone who calls. And that reminds us that we have to take action in response to God's gracious intent. He offers forgiveness. He's done the hard work. But we need to acknowledge that we need it and then willingly accept it for ourselves. God offers wise and loving leadership for our lives. But we have to let him know that we want it. He offers the gift, but we need to extend our hands and take hold of it. But deciding how to respond to Jesus' offer and salvation is not optional because eternity hangs in the balance, our eternity. And the decision is not optional, but we have a choice to make. And either choice requires faith. Choosing to place our trust in Jesus demands faith in a creator and sustainer and lover and saviour. We cannot see or feel with our senses. But turning away from Jesus' offer demands either faith in our own sufficiency to face the God of eternity at the end of our days. days. And we do that in our own strength, in our own abilities, through what we've done on this earth, or we place our faith in a godless universe. I am personally confident that anyone who acts on faith will find God to be trustworthy for salvation. But that's only the beginning. The next step is to trust God in the many decisions of everyday life. And this is where we have to trust the wisdom of God. In the book of Proverbs, God shows us the wisdom of taking the initiative is better than being passive or lazy or fatalistic. In Proverbs, we find that doing good beats the soul-numbing alternative of self-absorption. That self-discipline. Did I say that right? (laughs) Self-discipline. Though difficult to develop, it pays rich dividends. That speaking the truth in love is better than spinning webs of deceit. That choosing friends wisely is a significant key to growing in wisdom. That marrying well is the foundation of a marriage that lasts. That forging strong families is the best way to pass a positive legacy from one generation to the next and the next. And that cultivating compassion is a powerful way to change the world. And finally, that managing anger constructively is vital to personal happiness and relational harmony. 
Will we choose God's path at the various intersections of life? Will we trust Jesus enough to conform our wills to his ways, to his purposes, to his intentions? So let's just turn back to uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And the next little phrase I just want to look at is, not, lean not on your own understanding. And here the writer's making the point that no matter how smart we are or how many life experiences we have under our belts, we still need to realise that human judgement is always limited and sometimes is wrong. Sometimes our best notions about what ought to be said or done are ill-advised, dangerous or even destructive. And when it comes to the key decisions in our lives, we almost always need deeper insights and a broader perspective than mere human wisdom can offer us. What we desperately need is God's mind on the serious matters of life. And he offers it to us through the teaching of his word and the inner guidance of the Holy Spirit. Our job is not to question it or assume that we know better, but to actually trust that God knows better. He knows us better than we know ourselves, but he knows better how to make our lives work and to work well. And then the next phrase, in all your ways submit to him. That means to acknowledge God's wisdom, his insight and his understanding, and that is in all our ways. Little key word, just notice how often it's used in the Bible. All, A-double-L, three letters, very important. It doesn't leave anything out, but in all our ways. And we can be assured that in any area of life we decide, decide to manage without the benefit of God's wisdom, insight and understanding, is going to end up creating a problem. Any area, we put up a, a no trespassing sign and try to keep God out will likely be the area that imperils the quality of our lives and threatens those around us. It, you know, it doesn't take many holes to sink a ship. It actually only takes one. And it doesn't even have to be a big one. You know, some people look at their career ambitions, others at their sexuality, still others at their money, or their choice of friends or their leisure time activities, and they say, ah, God, I know all about your wisdom I know what the Bible says about this. I know your spirit is prompting me, but I don't want your advice in this area. Uh, I'm just going to manage this area all by myself. I'm going to do this my way. But you know what? Just one unyielded area of life can have far-reaching negative consequences. And in time, it will almost certainly have an adverse effect on other areas of our lives as well. And eventually when life is no longer working well, we'll probably look back and say, it all started with this one little private domain that I thought I could manage better than God. And now look at where I am. It's unfortunate some people seem determined to learn everything the hard way but they could learn what millions of people have learned before us. Any area of life that is not placed under God's leadership and wisdom will eventually be the source of great frustration, heartache and pain. The writer of the Proverbs pleads with us not to submit ourselves 
for this kind of risk. If we acknowledge God in all our ways, in every area of our lives, we can significantly lower the risk of trouble. It's like patching up one hole, that one hole that's threatening to sink the whole ship. And then the final part of uh, verse 6, that he will make your paths straight. Let me just say briefly, that doesn't mean that God will necessarily make us healthy, wealthy and happy. It does not mean that he will make us comfortable, popular and thin. It does not mean that he will satisfy all our trivial wishes and temporal wants. He will make your paths straight. means that he will give our lives direction. He'll give our lives purpose. He'll give our lives fulfilment. And he will be there to guide us through the, the swamps and the ditches and the valleys in life so that we can actually stay on the right path, his path. And he will work in us to transform our hearts and souls for that to happen. He will work through us to have an impact on other people. And when we die, he will lead us straight through the gates of heaven. And when you think about it, what more could we ask? I love Jeremiah 29 verse 11 in which God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Isn't that great to think that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, each and every one of us. And indeed, God does have a plan and a future and a hope for each of us with our own name on it. And though God doesn't promise a life free from problems or pain, He does promise a life that is just far too good to miss. But we will never discover this life, that great adventure, until we entrust ourselves to his guidance and leadership. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He understands our capabilities and our limitations. And he knows exactly what pitfalls we need to avoid and he sees the full scope of our potential. God set his sights very high for us. But he is willing to give us every form of assistance we need to live out his perfectly designed plan. But we need to turn to him and trust him fully. As Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That is the beginning. That is the beginning. But then jumping over to Matthew 7, 24, Jesus says that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So the bottom line in all of this is that we need to build our lives on Jesus' words and God's wisdom because we can trust that he knows what he's talking about. So reading all this, pulling all this together, we find that Jesus is trustworthy and true. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we we do thank you for the gift of these words. We thank you for the gift of your wisdom that you impart to us. Our Lord, 
hard as it may be at times, we pray that we may embrace your wisdom, that we may understand what you want to do with our lives, that we may trust you to lead us forward in our lives that are fully fulfilling and satisfying and glorifying to you in every way possible. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, Q&A. Kate? <laughs> Kate reckons she had a question. <laughs> no? What did I answer it? Oh, that's even better. <laughs> it was a threat. It was a threat. Okay, has anyone got any questions? Megan. Um, I'd just like to ask something about what you said. Um, in yeah. your talk, you said um, whether we tell little white lies or big lies. And I'd just like to clarify with that, um, like in God's eyes, isn't a lie a lie because it's a sin? Yep. So, yeah. Yep. A lie is a lie, whether it's a big one or a little one. Mm-hmm. And when you push back to the Ten Commandments, the bearing false witness is basically don't tell lies. Yeah, so in God's eyes, there's no size to a lie because it's a lie. That's right. And the important thing is, you tell a lie, it destroys trust. You lie to someone and they find out, they find, you find they can't trust you. And there's a, a, a break in that relationship that you might have had. And it takes a long time to rebuild trust when it's broken. And lies are often a source of the breakdown of trust. That it? Okay. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> 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 Cut off lightly, didn't I? <laughs>